The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Listen to Matt Slick Live. Got a little bit of a chest congestion, and uh, <clears throat> my apologies for that, but uh, that's how it is sometimes. Hey, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276, and uh, I want to hear from you. If you don't want to call, but you want to contact me anyway, you can call me or just email me at um, info at karm.org. Info at karm.org. Just put in the subject there, karm radio, or just radio question or radio comment, or whatever it is, and uh, we'll get to those. All right, so we can do that right now, too, even. But, uh, hey, uh-oh, yawn. Okay, sorry. Oh, it's kind of a half yawn. kind of came out there. You ever have one of those days, I was just talking to the people about this, my wife and I both today, and then someone else I said, they said the same thing. One of those days where you can't seem to get enough rest. You know, you just go, you take a nap, and you just, you're done. And that's today. So if I have another yawn coming out, like that one right there, not my, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's my fault or not. I'm yawning, I'm telling you, on the air. <laughs> I always wonder, how many people are yawning when I yawn on the air, or even talk about yawning? Anyway. All right. Hey, look, uh, give me a call, 877-207-2276. And on Fridays, we also uh, do some hate mail, and uh, we haven't gotten very much of that recently, but I do hope to be able to get some today. And let's just jump on the line and get to Charles from Ohio. Hey, Charles, welcome. You are on the air. Hi, man. This is Charles. We spoke on Wednesday about preterism. We didn't really talk about it too much, but, uh, but yeah, uh-huh. We asked about this one first. Yeah, so I stuff. just kind of wanted to pick up what, pick up where we left off. Okay. Um, so I, you know, I'd, I'd like to get your, you know, ABC definition of the law in Matthew the five, law. eighteen. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Well, oh man, the law is, is used in different senses. It's generically um, all of what the Old Testament teaches. It's also in reference to the first five books. The Jews went and collected 613 laws of the Old Testament and codified them that way. There's three divisions of the law: the judicial. You know, if you move the, uh, you you steal somebody something, you know, you get punished. That's judicial. There's the priestly and how to do certain rules and regulations and things like that, and also um, the uh, the moral. So there are different aspects of that law. So when it's talking talk about just the law, generally, it's talking about the whole of the uh, Old Testament law. Okay. The entirety of the of the Mosaic law, correct? Old Testament, not just uh, Mosaic, because there's other laws around in the Old Testament outside the Pentateuch. Okay. All right. You there? So, so yeah, I'm here. So, so when okay. Jesus that he, he didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it you're saying he's talking about something outside the mosaic law no no it depends on the context of how the word is used but to fulfill the law jesus said in john 5 39 that the scriptures were about him 
And so in Matthew 24, no, Matthew, uh, Luke 24, 45, I believe it is, he talked to them about all that was written about him, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So he was dividing up the mm-hmm. Old Testament there. The entire Bible mm-hmm. is about him. All right? And so I uh, didn't come to, he, to abolish but he, but he divided it. Yes, he said didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, and that's just the the right. dual vision divert, uh, division. But the law, div- but the law is still standing out on its own. There's the law and the I'm prophets. What, what is what is that law? I, I keep telling you. So I'm I, I'm I'm confused now. I, I told you. Okay. Okay. So, so if we're talking if we're talking entirety. I, I believe it's talking about the entirety of the old of the old covenant, the Mosaic law, that was given to Moses okay. on Mount Sinai. That's okay. how I interpret that, and that's what he came to fulfill. Okay. Because Israel failed, right? Okay. So yeah, let's Israel, keep going Israel with that. Failed to... And so, okay. why, I'm just curious so, why you're stuck on this. Why why it's an issue? I'm just curious what's going on. Because it's important. It's important that we get definitions. And we okay. contextualize everything. Yes, it's always important to know our definitions. And so okay. when we talk, so, talk so, talking there in Matthew five seventeen, the law and the prophets deals with the entire Old Testament. Okay. That's even better. The old covenant. Okay. So No, I didn't say that. I, I didn't say the old covenant. Say, I said and hold on, hold on. I didn't say old covenant, I said old testament. Okay, but generically it's the old covenant, but there's different aspects of the covenant. Okay, but, but go They're ahead. They're interchangeable. Mostly, yes. Okay, so I asked you Wednesday, has heaven and earth passed away? And you said no. So my I, question is, away? if, if wait, heaven wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, I can't, I can't follow you. I, I, I missed one word. What has passed away? The law? Is that what you said? I, I asked you Wednesday... Has heaven and earth passed away? And you said no. That's correct. It's not remade yet. Uh, okay. So in Matthew five seventeen through 18, Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but not the smallest letter of the law okay. will pass away. So if that's the case, by your logic, the law is still in effect. Well, you know... I- I'm curious to know what you're trying to do because you keep saying things as though you have a goal, but you're not telling me what the goal is. It's, it's like you're trying to trap me on something, and I keep help trying to define things, I am. and then you go a different direction. So why don't you just get to it instead of beating around the bush here, okay? Okay, so basically I don't believe heaven and earth is referring to a political cosmos and planet Earth. I believe it's referring to the Old Covenant. And so when he means heaven and earth will pass away, he's referring that the Old Covenant will pass away and the law will not pass away until all has been accomplished. Okay. What do you do with Second Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a that's, roar and the elements will... Well, let me finish reading it. You, dude, look... I know what it says. Well, well, is it okay with you on my own radio show if I finish reading the verse so that others can know what the verse says without being interrupted? Is it okay? Sure. Okay, let's try it again. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. So what does that mean? Tokia. 
The Greek word stokia. Okay, great. That, that didn't answer the question. So what does it mean when it says here that the heavens will pass away, they'll be destroyed with intense heat, the elements themselves will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up? What does it mean? Does it mean it's the, the heavens and the earth are not going to be changed? The, that's talking about the Old Covenant system under Old Covenant Israel, which was encapsulated okay. within the temple, and the temple was destroyed okay. in 70 A.D. Okay, so when it says the day of the Lord will come like a thief, which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The elements being destroyed with intense heat refers to what in the law? Are you there? I don't understand the question. Well, maybe it's because your your theology is a little askew, and the question doesn't fit it, no, so you can't comprehend well, the question. Well, maybe you need to clarify so, well, maybe I read the verse to you. You said you already know what the verse says. I asked you right out of the verse, and then you're confused. Okay, so it says I'm the elements will be destroyed. It says the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. What does the What does it mean that the elements will be destroyed with intense heat? What does it mean? The old covenant, the temple. Okay, so the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. Is the old covenant yes. temple? Okay, can you show yes. me, aside from your just, just your, your interpretation, that's what it is, can you show me any place in Scripture that would support that? Is, that's what it means? Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Well, 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 wait, 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 wait. Wait, don't go Matthew 24, Mark 13, okay? That's like saying, with the Bible, you have to give me an, an exact something. Matthew 24, what? I, I just did. I gave you the Olivet Discourse. Okay, you're, look, look, you're not able to argue very well so far. I'm trying to tell you, okay, that if you're going to make a statement, you need to go exactly to the verse, and you say, this right here means this, and this is why. Now, I asked you about Second Peter 3.10, and you just gave me an opinion. All right, you're entitled to your opinion. But I'm asking you to show me from Scripture where that interpretation of that section of Scripture is already talked about or alludes to it. You haven't been able to do that. Okay. So in the Olivet Discourse, they went out of the temple. Wow. And they said, Jesus, do you not see these beautiful buildings? And Jesus says, I tell you, not one stone will be left upon another that will not be torn down. Yes. And what's that got to do well, with the elements the being destroyed with intense heat? Because I'm telling you, that's referring to the temple. That's referring to the old covenant system. It was okay. coming to an end. Okay, so this is your interpretation. I'm asking you to substantiate that. So where is I it? Just did. No, you did not. The stones being thrown down is not the same thing as elements being destroyed with intense heat. Okay? I, I've actually seen those stones. I've been to Jerusalem. That's, that's the other thing you're omitting. That's well, the other on. thing you're omitting. He said it would be destroyed with fire. Uh, hold on. And so... I have been to Jerusalem. I've I've seen those stones that are, that Jesus talked about. I've seen them. Okay, they're, they're thrown down. Looked at them. There they are. Now, it says here the heavens will pass away with a roar. That's humongous sound, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And that is to you. That's the the that's the stones being thrown down. Yes, because you don't take the Bible okay. and have a wooded interpretation, and that's what you have. Look, you're, you're, look, you can give an excuse, but you haven't established that this means that. You're just saying it. 
That's all you're doing is saying it. It doesn't mean anything. Okay. Even it's substantiated. It's no different than any other verses where it talks about the sky falling, the moon turning into blood, the sun being darkened, the stars falling from the sky. Every time that kind of language is used in the Old Testament, it's referring to a coming judgment on a nation or a city. And this is okay, no different than Second Peter 3. Okay. Oh, it's no different. Okay. See. All right. Let's see how well no. you do with just a, a basic thing. This is Acts 1, 9-11. Now, you teach that Jesus returned in 70 AD, right? In the in the armies of, uh, of Rome. Right. Okay. So, after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and the cloud receded him out of their sight. So, this is Acts 1, 9. So, Jesus went up into the sky, right? In the, where the cloud was, right? Is yeah. That what it says? Okay. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, that's because he went up into the clouds in the sky, two men were standing beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you continue looking up in the sky? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you watch him go into heaven. So isn't the prophecy of the angels that he will return from the sky? That's how he'll do it? Is that what happened in 70 AD? Actually, the Greek says in like manner, and the emphasis was on the cloud. He would come on the clouds of heaven, which he did come on the clouds of heaven. So he came on the clouds. So so when it says he went up into heaven, that's exactly how he, he ascended vertically into heaven. There's a cloud up in the sky. This is how he's going to return back. Is that what happened in 70 AD? Tell you what. Jesus himself said he was coming on the clouds of heaven. You can't answer a direct question, can you? We'll be right back after the break. Hold I on. Did, I did. And we'll no, you didn't. We'll be right back after these messages, and we'll expose more of this guy's false teaching a little bit. And we'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. And, uh, oh, I was hoping that he'd be still on there. Um, I guess he dropped out. Darn, I was hoping he'd still be there because I was going to prove him wrong. It's pretty easy to do. And in fact, what I'm going to do is show, folks, Full. I'll explain a couple things, and I'll show you why it's false. Full preterism is the view that Jesus returned, the return of Christ that he prophesied when he comes back, was in uh, 70 A.D., when uh, the armies of Rome came in. That's how Jesus returned. And uh, what I did was I went through Acts 1, uh, went through not, Acts 1, 9 through 11, excuse me, and uh, showed where the prophecy is, you know, he went up into the clouds of the sky. I was going to ask him, what kind of a cloud is it when it says, you know, looking up into the heavens? That has to be the water vapor kind of cloud, right? What he did was uh, the great, like a great cloud of witnesses, that kind of a thing. Is he didn't use that, but it's that kind of idea with a cloud now has a different meaning in a different place, and he'll transfer it over. It's called illegitimate totality transfer. It's an exegetical error. And so what I was going to do was go to First Thessalonians four sixteen. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together uh, in the clouds to meet Him in the air. I'm going to ask him, I was going to ask him, what kind of cloud is that? A water vapor cloud? 
or what is that in First Thessalonians 4? It had been interesting to find out what uh, kind of exegetical gymnastics uh, he was going to use in order to just deny what the scriptures clearly teach. Uh, full preterism is heretical, ladies and gentlemen. It is a false teaching. I've known that uh, what this guy was teaching. I was waiting to get to it for your entertainment value, but he uh, he bailed. Let's get to uh, Herb from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome, buddy. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I hope I can ask this question in a simple way and say it correctly. Mm-hmm. It's right. my understanding that originally you said the Lord came for the Jew, his chosen people. Yes. And some things changed during that time, which is why he then allowed like Gentiles or ourselves to be also to be saved. So my question is, had that not occurred the way it did, his original plan, what do you think would have happened to us who would be on the earth today if he only came and took, you know, the chosen people and everything worked out? What would have happened to us? Uh, It's a good question. I I don't know. Because... um, because before Moses and the covenant existed, God had prophesied to Abraham in Genesis 12:3, "And you, all the nations, shall be blessed." So before the covenant was instituted, uh, the uh, not the Noahic, the uh, Mosaic covenant with the Ten Commandments, and then the covenant that went into Israel. So we have a kind of a problem here because we to answer it to say, well, what would happen if it didn't happen? Is like saying, what if God had just not done it that way, but done it something in a different way? Well. He didn't. And so it's a tough one. But if we're to just kind of, you know, play with it a little bit, uh, if if Israel had not rejected the Messiah, what would have happened to the Gentiles? Well, I believe that there would have been a modification of some sort of some way for us Gentiles to have entered into that uh, Mosaic Covenant to be justified. Yeah. It, it would have probably, ha- but it still is even then by faith. So right. it's really it, kind of an interesting not, problem. It, it was, and Matt, if, if that that was allowed to happen, but if it didn't, I guess a, a lot of this is what if. I guess when it's right. the problem. But right. if if it, it did not, okay, he God knows everything. So his yep. plan was it was going to be the Jews, but then the Jews rejected him, which he knew was going to happen. So, this, I mean, here's another angle, maybe. I, could that have meant he just went ahead and created the Gentiles, knowing that the Jews first were going to reject him, and then I said, I'll still go ahead and accept the, you know, the, the non-Jews? All right, there's a yes and a no to that, um, because I want to be careful how I address this issue with you and others. Um, yeah. The ordination of their denial of, of the Messiah was something wrought by the hand of God. So mm-hmm. God is the one who ordained that they would reject the Messiah. Now, when we say yeah. that, we're not saying that he made them and he got them in a headlock and, and covered their ears so they couldn't hear the covenant and they pushed them, pushed them down a hill and, and threw rocks at them, you know, and then blamed them for that. Yeah. It's not the kind of thing we're talking about when we in the Reform camp say God ordains. Because the ordination can be by direct and indirect means. We also get into what's called ultimate, proximate, and efficient cause. So efficient causation, for example, is the issue of Adam. He he is the one 
who is the efficient cause of his own sin. No one forced him. He did it on his own. He ate the fruit he should not have. The proximate cause mm -hmm. is God putting Adam and Eve in the garden, putting the garden there, putting them in the garden, and allowing the devil to come in. God allowed all this right. stuff. And so God's the proximate cause, but not the efficient cause. The efficient cause could not have occurred if the proximate cause was not in place. So God ordained the fall of Adam by developing, yeah. excuse me, by uh, ordaining, by arranging the proximate conditions by which he could make his free will choice. But it would, could not have occurred mm -hmm. in that context if God had not brought the context about. So we would say that Adam is the efficient cause of his own sin, but not God. So God's not culpable. But yet he's the yeah. proximate cause in that the situations that were there in which we exist are allowed to occur. So when we say this, we're talking about, well, could have this have happened or that have happened? Well, the proximate conditions or the proximate uh, situation by which the Jews rejected the Messiah are all there brought into existence by God. Yet they are their own efficient cause in the rejection of the Messiah. So it, God ordained it in an approximate sense, but not an efficient sense. This is how we would tackle yeah. this. Make sense? Okay. Well, it was a. It just boggled my mind, and I thought, I know you probably can explain it in a logical way, but I thought maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. But it just occurred to me, having listened to you say this, you know, about originally the, the chosen people were the Jews, and I've always heard that all my life. But it just dawned on me. Well, what about us? You know, if, if things had turned out different, what what will be on? Our, what would have created us for to be here for if we're not going to be saved? You know, or not saved right. by. Right. Well, we're created for his glory, and then, and then we're chosen before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. So when we look at this, a lot of times what people do when they're talking about this, I'd be very careful I always say this because they don't want to look down at anybody or say, hey, look at me, i got it figured out. That's not it. But over the years yeah. of studying this and debating it and teaching it, I've learned incrementally, oh, that's right, look at this and look at that. Well, the thing is, we, one of the things that needs to be included in all these discussions is the absolute sovereignty of God who proclaimed everything to be before it was. And how does that work? Yeah. And well, you know, so then it's like saying, well, could I have put a different shirt on today? Well, yes, in one sense, yes, and in another sense, no. It's actually a discussion that we've had in theological discussion, circles, apologetic circles, philosophy, Christian philosophy. Because like the man, what I've heard is the man who nailed the, 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 um, the nail into Christ's wrist, could he have done differently? Yes and mm -hmm. no. It just depends on how we want to look at it. He's ordained to freely yeah. do it, so he, he couldn't have, but he could have. He had the potential, but he didn't. It gets complicated. Mm -hmm. That help? We're going to break. It's, All right, buddy? Yeah. Oh, Thank you so okay. much, Matt. I appreciate right. it. Makes, makes, makes me feel better, and God bless you as always. <laughs> you too, man. God bless. Thanks. All right. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Bottom of the hour, if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Xavier, welcome. You're on the air. Hello, Matt. How you doing? Doing all right, man. Hanging in there. What do you got, buddy? I uh, just wanted to know, uh, 
You need to be a Calvinist in order to make it to heaven. Absolutely not. Nope. 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 No. You can be an Arminian, Calvinist. You can, whatever. The issue is not if you're Calvinist or not. It's do you trust in Jesus Christ, God in flesh, who died on the cross, rose from the dead? Do you trust in what he did on the cross? Anybody who would say that Calvinism is the gospel and it must be a Calvinist in order to be saved are just ignorant and shouldn't be speaking about that. Okay. So why is it there are... Um, thank you for that answer, by the way. So why is it that there are different denominations and what's the difference between the others? I know I, I try reading up on that on your karm.org, but I just wanted to get an understanding like what is the major differences that we need to be aware of. The differences regarding what? Well, regarding the different denominations, because the Mormons, if I was to say, if I was to be a Mormon, would I go to heaven? No, you would not, because Mormonism is a non, non-Christian cult. It teaches that God is an exalted man from another planet, that Jesus is the brother of the devil, and that uh, you have to do good works to be uh, have your sins forgiven. And that's each of those are, are absolutely false. Okay. And then what about the oneness Pentecostals? Yeah, oneness Pentecostals. Oneness Pentecostals deny the doctrine of the Trinity, and then they deny the true incarnation. They say they don't, but uh, I can show how they don't. Uh, and uh, they add baptism as a necessary requirement for salvation, so they add works to salvation. So therefore, uh, along with their denial of the, of the true God, they're not Christian. Okay? Okay. And Catholics are not Christian. The official Roman Catholic theology is not Christian because it uh, teaches a false gospel. Okay? It does, a false gospel. Is that, is, is, so is, is that what um, Paul says when he says that they were with us, but they were not of us, so they left yeah. or something like that? Yeah, First John 2, uh, 19. They went out from us because they never were of us. If they had been of us, they would have remained. So, yeah, yes. but uh, it's a little bit different, talking in the context of those in the Antichrist arrival and things like that and in times. But, uh, see, the basics of the Christian faith are laid out in Scripture. Uh, and I've written an article on this, and you can go check it out. You know, what, what are the essential doctrines of the Christian faith? And they are not uh, Calvinist or Arminian or Roman Catholic or anything. They're just biblical, like believing Jesus Christ is God in flesh. I have all the references for it. His physical resurrection, justification by faith alone in Christ alone, believing in one God, the true living God, uh, things like that. And I've got them listed out, and they're cited with Scripture, what the Bible says, not, not my opinion. And so, you know, Arminians, uh, I've got friends. I don't even know if they're Arminian or Calvinist because I don't even really care. Uh, and there's yeah. a guy I was just talking to, and we're talking about going to the Philippines and me doing some um, some research. I think he's Reformed, you know, I think. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Okay, so it's like whatever, you know. Yeah. I've, I've heard you also I just want to clarify something I heard you and I've been watching a lot of your debates um, okay. with different you know one is Pentecostal and atheist um, and different other different other people and um, I can't remember which name of this person you had a debate with but you said that you said that if you if you openly deny the Trinity you're not a Christian I'm not sure if I'm quoting you correctly 
Yeah, what I generally when I say something like that is, if you knowledgeably, openly, continually reject the doctrine of the Trinity, then I doubt your salvation. Okay, then that's so what I will say. So if a person says that I, I declare that I, I declare ignorance that I don't really understand the Trinity, but not saying that I don't accept it. Yeah, that's different. Because people can just not understand it and, and just not be aware of it. And that, that's okay, no, no big deal. That's why those who openly, knowingly deny it, then I, I, I say, well, I can't call you a brother or sister. It might be the case that they have uh, true faith, but they could still be in, in great error and saying that they reject it, not realizing what's really going on. So there's a possibility. Try and be as gracious as possible. But, uh, yeah. You know, so openly, knowingly, like one is Pentecostal people who I debate, who they know what they're talking about. Then I can't call them brothers and yep. sisters. Okay. Understood. All right. Well, no, I appreciate your time and thank you for answering my questions. I, I feel like this has helped me out a little more than what I came up with. You know, okay. I was I have been reading like most of your articles and listening to a lot of your debates, and it has helped me in my faith and understanding the differences. Well, well, do you affirm the Trinity, for example? Do you do you affirm it? I affirm it to a certain extent because I don't understand it. Yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah, same here. Don't understand it. I know what the Bible teaches, and I accept what it teaches. As far as me comprehending how it all works, I don't get that, but I know what it teaches, and I believe what yeah. it teaches. Yeah, that's okay. Well, when I well, when I first heard about the Trinity, I was confused because when you say persons, when I think about a person, I'm a person, you're a person. Right. To me, that's two different people. So right. when you say, pers- you know, you know, person, God, Father, person, the, uh, the person, Jesus, and the person, the Holy Spirit, I think of three persons, which is three gods, because you say they're all gods. Right. And that's where I was conflating and, and confusing it, because I don't understand. That's why I'm like, I don't really understand it. Right. And so now you... I've, I've been reading all your articles, and I have more understanding of it. You know, it's not, that's not what it is. No, we believe there's right. one God. They're not... They're just three right. distinct persons, which that's why I kind of understanding now. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, persons the way you and I think. It has to do with uh, the theological significance of its use in its context, in a different context, a different way. That's what's going on. Right. It's different. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> hey, you're welcome so much. No problem at all. I, all pre- right. I appreciate it, and I thank you for all you're doing. God bless you. Sure, no problem, man. God bless, Xavier. All right. Now let's get to Joe from Raleigh. Joe, welcome. You are on the air. Hi, how you doing? Sorry oh, I'm hanging in here. My truck. It's all right. Um, so what do you got, man? A couple one, one was uh, I, you were talking to the gentleman earlier about uh, the Jesus coming in the clouds in 70 AD. Yeah, yeah, he'll be on um, next, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He's on next? Yeah, he called back. He got disconnected. He'll call back, so we'll get to him oh, in a bit. Right, yeah. right, well, maybe. He, I, sorry, well, I, mean, I was going to make a like a humorous remark um, <laughs> that I think is humorous anyway. Um, sure. Basically, I, I, the one thing I won't, I'm concerned about is that since the guy seems to me to be like a cloud, cloud dweller, and he might have firsthand information on that. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, I it's a bad view. That, it's a bad view. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Also, that the you know when I think when Jesus is talking about not one you know not one bit of the law will you know be erased or you know taken away. 
it means that he he's the fulfillment of all of it. That's what so, it means. So yeah. that's, that's what I think it means, and that makes much more sense than you know it being some kind of weird uh, trap door, you know, leading to another right. trap door. You know, that's not. I don't think God wants us to do those kind of mental gymnastics, really. So anyway, have a good yeah, evening. Thanks for all you're doing. You too, man. Well, God bless. All right. All right, you too. Okay. All right, let's get back on with Charles. we got two minutes before the break. Okay, Charles, you're back on. So. Yeah, we mysteriously got disconnected when he went on break, so. Okay. So um, so i got some questions for you, okay? Because I'm, I'm going to prove to you that you're wrong. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, it's easy. I can prove it proof is different than persuasion so you already admitted in first uh, in acts 1 9 to 11 when jesus received him was it went up into the clouds if that's the cloud in the sky the kind with water vapor right are you there asked and answered i'm just we're referring we're, we're reviewing is that correct right the water vapor kind of cloud up in the sky is where he went in acts 1 9 to 11 right yes Okay, and then so that's a cloud is in the sky. That's where the air is, right? No problem. All right. So it says in First Thessalonians four, uh, he'll descend from heaven with a trumpet, etc. Verse seventeen: We who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet him in the air. What kind of cloud is that? When it says we'll meet him in the air, same cloud. So it's a water vapor cloud. So this is how it says Jesus is going to descend from the clouds with that and we're going to go out there and meet them in those clouds in the air do you agree no well then why do you not believe what it says then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds listen to listen to the verse listen to the verse see you have a problem hearing scripture because you submit it to your own understanding (laughs) we got a break we'll be right back okay don't hold don't don't go anywhere be right back folks we're gonna going to battle it out. Like I said, proof is different than persuasion, and you'll see that truth here in a second. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Yes, uh, welcome back, everybody. We're last break, uh, last segment of the hour. Let's get back with Charlie. Are you still there, Charles? Yes, sir. All right, so you admitted in Acts 1, 9 through 11 that uh, he went up into the clouds, into the sky. That's the water vapor kind of cloud. And then when it says in uh, 1 Thessalonians four seventeen about the return of Christ, because that's what the angels in Acts 1, 9 said, this is how he's going to come back. And then it says then, uh, he'll descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, trumpet of God, dead in Christ will rise first. That's how he says he's going to come back from heaven. And uh, we'll be caught up uh, with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. And the clouds, of course, is the water vapor kind. So how is that what happened in 70 AD? Sure. So 1 Thessalonians 4 is the parousia of Christ. Okay. So the parousia is linked with the resurrection of the dead. And Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, Daniel links the resurrection at the time of the Great Tribulation. 
So if the Great Tribulation was the first Jewish-Roman war, which resulted in the temple being destroyed, then that's also the time that the resurrection occurred. It's not a future event. The resurrection of the dead occurred when? 70 AD. So the resurrection to the glorified bodies of the saints occurred in 70 AD? Yes. And so these people who are resurrected in glorified bodies in 70 AD, are they still on earth? No. Where are they? They're in heaven. And is Jesus going to come back in the future at all? No. And so he's not going to come back. And then what he already did. happen? No, I, I, I what you say. So he's not going to come back in, in the future. And so what's going to happen? Is just the earth going to become a paradise or get bad or what? I believe in a form of post-millennialism. I think that the gospel will, uh, well, it says right in Revelation 21, the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into the, uh, the new heavens and the new earth, the kingdom of God. So I think over time, yes, the gospel will uh, take precedence in the world, and we will have eventually a gospel peace. Yes. Okay. And so when that happens, which I totally disagree with, but when that happens, um, according to you, that's fine. So the pe- people who are alive on the earth, and th- when they die, what happens to them, the Christians? If they're, if they're saved, they go to heaven. If they're not saved, they go to the lake of fire. And are they resurrected in glorified bodies at that point, or they go up as spirits? Yes, you're at the moment of physical, biological death. You receive your glorified body. Yes. Oh, you trans. If you're trans- into a glorified body, right there. Okay, so yes. when it says in Acts one nine through eleven that Jesus will return the same way he went up, it means he's not going to return the same way he went up. Right? It says in like manner. Yeah. In the like manner of going up into the sky, he's going to return from the sky. Right? The emphasis, and we've already covered this, the emphasis was on the cloud. That was the emphasis. That was the purpose. That was the point. And then he would come on the clouds of heaven. So, so. I can give you the verses. Well, hold on. So uh, you're telling me then when he went up into the clouds and the angels said, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who was taken away from mm-hmm. heaven will come in just the same way as you watch him go into heaven. That's the NASB. It, it means that he's mm-hmm. not going to return that way, right? He, he did return on the clouds. Absolutely. You mean the, the water vapor clouds? The water vapor. However, you want to define it, he came on the clouds of heaven. He came in judgment. Okay, hold, so that's hold what on. it signified: coming in judgment. So, so wait, wait. The clouds that he came. Give you the, the, the clouds that he came back in. Was it the water vapor kind of cloud that he? You know, we're talking about. I'm just being very specific. Is that how he came back in 70 A.D.? Is it? Yes. Okay. So, and then it also says in First Thessalonians four that we'll be caught up together in the clouds to be with them forever. It doesn't say we, it says they, who it was written to. 
It doesn't say we? It says we to the people it was written to. It wasn't written to us today in 2023. It was written to them in the first century. You're reading <sighs> somebody else's mail. Okay. So then, um, so when it says a day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, which is what that is, and then when it says that's when the new heavens and new earth will be made and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, that means what again? The elements are destroyed with intense heat. What does that mean? The end of the end of the old covenant system and the ushering in of the new covenant system. Okay. So the the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its yes. works will be burned up that really means yes. that the earth and its works will not be burned up and the elements will not be destroyed with intense heat it's all figurative right it's not a wooden interpretation correct well it's not a, a you know a liquid interpretation either that you've got so see wooden or what it's ridiculous to say that so when we read it, it doesn't mean what it says. It means something else, which you've said it means, but you can't show us what it means. It means what it, it means what it says if you contextualize it, not what oh. you think it means. How do you know you're not doing that? Because when I read what it says right there, it seems clear, and then you're the because one who goes I'm, all over the place. Because I'm, because I'm harmonizing Second Peter three with the rest of Scripture. That's why. in your mind. In your mind. Okay. okay, because what I see you doing is ripping things out of context and ignoring what they say in order to submit it to a false doctrine called preterism. I haven't That's ripped anything out of context. Yes, you have. Didn't you hear the ripping I sound? I heard them all over the place. Man, I heard ripping stuff out of it. It was like every time you quote something, you couldn't argue. We had a white paper bag, buddy. This is what it says. It says the roar. You pass with a roar. I asked you a. What's what's a roar? What's the roar mean? What is it? What's, it what's, what's the word roar mean? What does it mean? The roar. The heavens will pass with a roar. The what, trumpet humongous cry. sound. What does that mean? The trumpet. But it doesn't say trumpet. It doesn't say that. It's There's seven trumpets, noise. and the last the last trumpet is the is the resurrection. The roar is different word. Dude, do your homework. You keep misrepresenting the I scriptures. Have. No, you haven't. I have. No, you remind have me you of a cultist. Have you read Daniel chapter? Yes, I read it all. Have you read, read Daniel chapter? I read it all. Okay. Goodbye. We're going to move on. Uh, you can just argue so much with, uh, you know, it's, it's like arguing against a wall. It's ridiculous. Let's get to Jeff from Iowa. Jeff, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Matt. It's me again. Hey. hey. Great. What do you got, man? How you doing? Doing all right. Hanging in there. What's up? I'm doing all right. Um, I just wanted to go over... Um, I mean, what you said last week um, on the post-show thing about about Mary, because I mean, I, I was just looking into it, and I mean, I wanted to see like what your ideas were on that. Go over it again. I mean, just sure. basically. I mean, you only have five more minutes, but yeah. Coincidentally, I will be speaking uh, online at a ministry. I'll have to put it up on the calendar uh, on Mary tomorrow. I'll be speaking on it. Uh, tomorrow 
and uh, there's going to be Reverend Anthony Rogers, and I'll be speaking. Uh, Dr. Edward Delcor will be there, and uh, then it looks like I'm going to be cross-examined by a Roman Catholic on the issue of Mary, which oh. I am absolutely looking forward to. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. But um, I'll just say it now, and I'll say it again then, that what the Roman Catholic Church does with Mary is turn her, her into a functioning goddess. Okay. It's idolatry. They're idolaters. Okay. Right. And some of your issues were with, I mean, if she's not God, how does she, you know, hear all prayers or whatever? And um, the issue with that is that she, or Catholics would say that she is somehow granted that power by God. So what Mm -hmm. is the issue with that? Show me in scripture where that's the case. So just to say, God just grants her an ability. Well, what if they said Mary's everywhere all the time? Well, God can do it if he wants to. It's the same kind of logic. Well, really? I guess it's true then, isn't it? Because you said God can do it if he wants to, so therefore that means it happened, so therefore it's true, so that means we can pray to her. See this, the, the idiocy of that kind of logic? Because it's idiocy. The Bible says, don't exceed sure, what's so. written. 1 Corinthians 4, 6. Don't exceed what's written. What they're doing is arguing from silence. Well, God can do whatever he wants, and we know what he wants, and he wants Mary to have that ability, so therefore she has the ability. It's ridiculous. Okay. Right, and well, how I saw a phrase is that um, Mary's will is perfectly aligned with God's. Um, and It is? How do you know? Yeah, so. Where does it say that in the Bible? Well, that's, what it, that's what they said. I don't know. I, I didn't look that deep into it, but. I know, but see, they'll say this stuff, and I'll say, show me that in the Scriptures, and they'll say, well, we don't just believe the Bible. I go, gotcha. Exactly. That's why you believe this other stuff. As long as you take your eyes off of the Word of God, you'll believe anything. Maybe Mary's an alien from Venus. Next. It doesn't say she couldn't. And if God wanted her to be an alien from Venus, then she could be an alien from Venus. Okay, so let's say that somewhere in the Bible... Let's say that somewhere in the Bible it was quoted like Jesus was like, yeah, actually, you know, when when Mary's up in heaven, she'll be able to communicate with everybody through prayer. Then you would you would accept that Mary would be able to communicate with everybody it. in prayer. Yeah, because if it said it, that it would be true, right? But it's okay. not saying yeah. it. Okay, and plus there's logic issues. You have a human nature. By definition, you can only be at one place at one time, and you cannot simultaneously comprehend a million conversations all at once. You can't do it. I can't do it. Our brains are not able to do anything like that. It's not possible because our nature doesn't permit it. But suddenly with with Mary, she now can. And what the Catholics say, well, if God wants to do it, he can. He can make her do it. This is their argument. It's not in the Bible. Well, wasn't there... Okay, I'm not trying to like argue with you on this, but I, I saw saw this. There's something... I think it's like Revelation of like saints offering prayers to God or something. Yeah, Revelation 5, um, 8, 13. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Let's read it. When he had taken the book, this is Revelation 5, 8, when taking the book, the four living creatures, and what are the four living creatures, I'll ask him, and the 24 elders, and I'll say, what are the four, the 24 elders? Well, we're not exactly sure. Oh, okay. Fell down before the lamb. Well, we know the lamb is Jesus. We got that. Each one holding a harp and a golden, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. See, that means they can hear him in heaven. What? Where does it say that? 
It doesn't say that at all. But this is what they do. They're so desperate to find something in Scripture that now all of a sudden it just means they can hear. Okay? Okay. It, so, it, I can get into verse 13, but we're out of time. Stay in the after show if you want. We'll, oh. we'll talk about it a little bit more, okay? Okay, I'm like, yeah. All right. Hey, folks, we are out of time. The Lord bless you by His grace. We'll be back on the air on Monday. Hope you have a great weekend. And uh, if you want to hear the post show, just go to Matt Slick forward slash, uh, or no, me, Carmen forward slash radio. And you can join us after show. Another program powered by the Truth Network.